Hey everyone, very quickly before today's episode starts, I want to apologize for not uploading any episodes within the last few weeks. There have been a mixture of things that have gone wrong that have prevented me from uploading everything, but hopefully that is all taken care of now. But most importantly, with everything going on in the world, with the protests and whatnot, I felt like there were more important voices that needed to be heard, other than some random dude talking about video games. This won't be the place for me to tell you what to do or what you should believe in, but I do hope that at least everyone is being safe during these times. And with that being said, hopefully I can actually start uploading episodes on a schedule for this podcast, which is going to be Tuesdays and Fridays. I do want two episodes up a week, and I think Tuesday and Friday is going to be the best way to do it. And I have different ideas ideas on how I can break down each episode, but for now, I at least want to get a steady schedule going and then go from there. So let me know what you guys think. Is a Tuesday-Friday schedule good? Should I maybe do Wednesday-Saturday or just something else like that? Just let me know what you guys think, and I can definitely change some things up. But with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to Legendary Mojo Gaming, the podcast for your weekly dose of some random dude talking about video games. I'm your host, Logan, and on today's show, we have some different topics that we are going to talk about. So first off, if you don't know, this is a gaming podcast, so it's basically me just going to be sitting down talking about a bunch of different video games, giving top 10 lists, making reviews, sharing the news, and just talking about video games. So on today's episode, we have some news regarding the PlayStation 5 that we want to talk about. I'll answer some questions from our listeners, and then at the very end of the episode, I have a little bit of a, not a special announcement, but there's a a specific game that I want to spend some time talking about. Uh, I've made a bunch of theories about this game. It's one of my favorite games in the world, so stay tuned and listen to that, but First, let's just get right into the news of the gaming world. So at the time of recording this, the PlayStation 5, amongst various games that will be available for the system, were just announced. There were a bunch of different trailers that were shown. The look of the new PlayStation 5 was announced. I don't believe they... They might have announced the specs for it. Uh, It's very well that I could have just missed it. I think that's something that has already been talked about before but i think let's talk more about one how the playstation looks and then two let's talk about some of the games so there's a lot of memes going on about how the playstation 5 looks personally i don't mind it all too much but i know a lot of people aren't happy about it but i think they did a really good job nailing that futuristic look to it I mean, when it comes to Xbox, basically the Xbox is just a big black box. Whereas now the PlayStation, it's white and black, and it it just looks very slick. It has that nice futuristic look to it. So I don't mind it all too much. Um, I think they tried just a little too hard to give it that futuristic look. But again, uh, compared to the Xbox, it looks a lot better. Now, before watching the showcase of the PlayStation 5, I was 100% going to be getting the Xbox Series X. I got the Xbox One, I've gotten the Xbox 360, all of my friends, you know, playing the Xbox, and it's just something that I've always had kind of growing up. 
But after watching this showcase, I think uh, it's about time that I switch over to PlayStation because a lot of these games I am truly excited for. And I just, I, I have that feeling that PlayStation is going to just win out compared to Xbox in the next generation of consoles. So getting right into the games, one of the biggest games that I think people were talking about was the new Spider-Man game starring Miles. Now, if you don't know, Miles is just a character in the Spider-Man universe. In the original Spider-Man game, played it by Peter Parker, you do meet Miles. Um, he's also, Miles is the character of the Spider-Man animated movie, which is by far one of the best Spider-Man movies I've watched. But what is kind of unfortunate is that this Spider-Man game is apparently just an expanded remaster of the original Spider-Man game, except it's just starring Miles. But I think that's okay, because one, that's kind of how it should have been. I feel like with that Spider-Man game, we've had enough of Peter Parker uh, with the movies and everything like that. It's time that someone else gets the spotlight, and Miles is going to be that character. So it's going to be cool kind of playing as Miles. Miles is going to be basically what Peter's role was in the Spider-Man game if it is just an expanded remaster of the game. But I think that's perfectly fine. I will gladly pay the $60 to replay that game because one, it's a tremendous game. It's by far one of PlayStation's best uh, exclusive games. And then getting to replay that as Miles is going to be really fun, especially with the new system new generation of graphics and just so on so i think spider-man starring miles is going to be really good i'm really excited for that one we ended up getting another trailer on godfall which was kind of teased back at the game awards and it's kind of what people kind of were expecting kind of like a hack and slash just basically run through slice down enemies and monsters which i think is it's going to be a good game but i think more importantly it's just going to be fun where like for example left 4 dead where the story to left 4 dead isn't that impressive but the gameplay is just so fun that so many people enjoy it and i kind of think that's what uh, godfall is going to be where the story may be lacking but running around just slicing down enemies especially the big monsters is going to be really cool and i don't think it's going to be like a dark souls type of difficulty or mechanic but it it looks just like you're running around slashing down enemies so i think that's going to be another fun one now we did get a trailer for a sequel to horizon zero dawn called horizon forbidden west i really like the first one i'm a huge fan of the dystopian type of societies where it's futuristic but not futuristic with robotic dinosaurs and just a bunch of stuff like that where yeah it kind of is still nature like but then there's future aspects a part of it i really enjoy those type of games or even just those type of books or movies and stuff like that and i really like the first one the open world aspect the combat is all fun it looked amazing. The world was really big. So having a sequel to that game, I think is going to be really cool. And I think it's going to really show the true power of what the PlayStation 5 is going to have. So by 
having the first game be as massive as it was, the second game is probably going to be as big, if not bigger, than the first game. And visually, I think it's really going to test what the PlayStation 5 has to offer. And I think that's going to be kind of one of their main exclusive games right off the bat with the PlayStation 5. Moving on, we got a new Resident Evil called Resident Evil 8 Village. And I'm excited for this one because the Resident Evil series has really turned itself around. Uh, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard was really fun. I think they could have done a better job, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. Definitely was better than 6. And with the remakes of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, I really think they've turned this series around. So I think Resident Evil 8 is going to have a lot to offer. The trailer looked really good. I don't believe there was any specific like gameplay a part of the trailer, but it kind of gave me that Resident Evil 4 vibe where it's the old European style. There's werewolf-like monsters. It's not... It, it, they're zombies, but they're not zombies. I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool, but I think it's really important to note that there's a return of Chris Redfield. So in Resident Evil 7, there really wasn't any kind of link back to all the other Resident Evils. It was kind of its own standoff game. So, but now with Resident Evil 8, the return of Chris Redfield definitely implies that we're getting back into that story of where kind of 5 and 6 might have left off from. So, Resident Evil 8, I think, is going to be a great game. I don't know if it's just an exclusive for PlayStation. I feel like that would be a little weird, but hey, who knows? Um, I wouldn't mind that at all. But moving on, we have, there's a remaster of Demon's Souls. I've never played Demon's Souls. I believe it came out over 10 years ago, but I saw the trailer. It looks really fun. It's definitely a game that I will be picking up and playing. And then there's an enhanced version of GTA V. So I would assume that's just basically a remaster, better graphics. It's going to run a lot better online. We'll probably pick back up a little bit because a lot of people kind of start fall, started to fall off GTA 5 online. So with the PlayStation 5, people are going to get back into it. So I think that's a really good idea. It kind of sucks because the fact that they're bringing GTA 5 to the PlayStation 5 might imply that GTA 6 or just a different spinoff of Grand Theft Auto probably won't be coming out for a while it might be another year or two but there's nothing wrong with gta 5 i think gta 5 is a fun game i think people are still going to enjoy it so nothing wrong with that there's a lot of other games that were announced for the playstation 5 during the showcase so if you haven't yet i would recommend watching it there's just a bunch of small games that i really am going to enjoy or that i think a lot of other people are going to enjoy but there's one game that I am super, super excited for, and I can't wait for it to come out. It's very underrated. I feel like a lot of people don't play these or haven't played these games, but Ratchet and Clank. They announced that there's another Ratchet and Clank game calling, coming out called Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I've been a huge fan of Ratchet and Clank all the way back to the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2. It was actually one of the very first games that I've ended up playing. 
So watching that trailer was just so nostalgic for me. There was so much joy going through my body as I was watching that. I would be lying if I said that it wasn't going to be my most anticipated game for the PlayStation 5. So that's definitely the one that I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, yeah, there's Godfall, there's Horizon Zero Dawn, there's the Spider-Man, but come on, it's it's Ratchet and Clank. It's Oh, it's really good. I put it on the same tier as like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, but like I just feel like in the society, no one has really like talked about Ratchet and the Clank. It kind of, I mean, yeah, it fell off, but uh, this one is definitely going to be fun, or at least I hope it's going to be fun. So like I said, I would definitely recommend watching the showcase. I'm not going to sit here talking about every single game. But definitely those are the games that I'm looking forward to the most or that I think are going to really show what the PlayStation 5 has to offer. So there's a bunch more that they announced and that they showed. I think there's trailers for everything. So uh, yeah, definitely go ahead and watch it all. It's a really good console and I definitely think it's going to be, I definitely think it's going to be better than the Xbox. So but let's transition into the next segment where I sit here and I answer some of your guys' questions. Uh, you guys can send questions in to me. Anyone is allowed to send in questions through the website. All you have to do is email your question to me, and then there's a chance that it'll be answered on the podcast. So it could be anything about video games, whether it's just opinion-based or just to test out my knowledge. I I truly don't care how silly the question is or how serious the question is, but as long as it pertains to video games, then there's a chance it could be on the podcast. So first up, we got a question from a Tyler and he asks, what do you think of Valorant? Is this a game you see yourself playing or just what are you, some of your general thoughts about it? So Valorant out on the PC, it's no longer, in, well, I don't know if it's in beta anymore, but it's available to everyone on uh, computer. So I have played a decent amount of Valorant, not a whole lot, but enough to at least know the characters, know the abilities, kind of, you know, know the maps and everything like that. And from speaking from someone who has never played CSGO, I do enjoy Valorant. I think it's fun. I think the abilities add a lot to the game. I do like the mechanic of having to buy the weapons at the start of the round. But there are quite a bit of downsides to Valorant that I think of so far. Number one being the game mode, Spike Rush, or just the just the normal mode. It's it's fun, but I think there if they add more game modes to it, I can definitely see myself playing it a lot more. Whether it's capture the flag or team deathmatch or just something like that. But in most shooter games like that, I am not a fan of camping. I really hate just turning around or turning into a corner and someone just spraying me down with bullets. And Valorant gives excuses for that. It's kind of what you're supposed to do in the game. So it's really hard for me to play that style of game. I'm usually kind of the more fast paced running in blah, blah, blah type of stuff. So that's kind of the hardest thing for me about Valorant. There's a couple of different like mechanics that I don't agree with, like with the spraying of the gun or the, the bullet spread of the gun and then just some of the way the game works. But for the most part, I do enjoy Valorant. It's new. Uh, I think they're going to do a good job updating it, adding new characters, adding new maps and stuff like that. But 
I just, I really, really hope that they decide to add in a different game mode or just something where, like, I, I think, I truly think a capture the flag would be super fun. I think that would be kind of like the perfect game mode for it. Team Deathmatch would be interesting. I think they could pull it off, but just something different for me, I think would be a lot of fun. So next up, I got a question from Anonymous asking if I could be in any gaming world, what world would I want to be in and why? <laughs> I love this question. So there's a smart answer and there's a dumb answer. My dumb answer would be picking like Dark Souls world or something like that. Just like a world where I can run around with a sword slashing people. I think that would be fun to just be like a monster slayer. You know, I've played D&D before. I've role played as these type of characters. But to actually be in that world, I think would be stupid. as <laughs> It would just be so stupid. But my smart answer is a pretty basic and simple answer but i would love to be in animal crossing uh living in the animal crossing new horizons world would be just peaceful easy don't have to worry about slashing through monsters basically just running around an island decorating it how i want to be decorated uh no no jobs to do no nothing i can just decorate my island and pay back a raccoon for my uh, new house loan um, I'm trying to think, is there any, any other game that would maybe stand out? Like, I would love to be in the Legend of Zelda universe, being uh, Link the hero and stuff like that. But again, like, why, why put myself in danger when I can just relax on an island, decorating it how I want to be? Um, yeah. So finally, one last question coming from Jesse. So you've mentioned before that you've played some card games. Uh, I was just wondering what kind of game, card games you have played and what are some of the decks that you've played before. That, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. I, I have mentioned that I've played card games, but I was a really big fan into Yu-Gi-Oh! That was kind of my number one game growing up. I still play it a decent amount, but I mainly play it online now, like on the Switch and even on the computer. Um, and another game was Pokemon. I was big into Pokemon. So for Yu-Gi-Oh, I, I ran a bunch of different decks. I had a Arm Dragon deck, which was kind of like a mixture of using the Arm Dragons and like the Blue Eyes and stuff like that, just to have a, a basically a beefy dragon deck. Um, but my best deck was called a Twilight deck. So it was a mixture of light sworn monsters and different types of dark monsters. So a light sworn monster, basically the point behind light sworn is to mill your deck. So they had effects that if they were on the field at the end of the turn, you would have to discard like three or four cards from your deck. And the point of that was that you were trying to get as many different types of monsters into your graveyard as you possibly could, because then you would be able to summon more powerful monsters. So like, for example, there was Judgment Dragon. And if you had four or more different Light Sword named monsters in your graveyard, you'd be able to special summon him to the field, pay a thousand life points to practically blow up the field and to destroy every card on the field other than Judgment Dragon. And then I believe he had 4,000 attack points and 4,000 defense. It might have only been 3,000, but either way... So it was a really good deck. It was definitely my go-to deck because then the 
dark monsters along that deck really helped just beef it up a little bit more. So that was definitely my best deck. I had a Brotherhood of the Fire Fist deck that I enjoyed playing a lot. But my most favorite deck was, I just, I called it the Troll deck. There was really nothing special to it other than it had just a crap ton of troll type cards where I would just mess, like, I don't, I, I never cared if I won or lost that duel as long as I just trolled my opponent. So there are a lot of cards in there, like Jinzo. I like using Jinzo in that deck. Um, one of my favorite cards, Question, is that they need to guess the first monster that is in your graveyard. If they don't, you get a special summon it. And then one of the deck, the card that truly made that deck work was called Self Destruction Button, where if I was losing by 7,000 or more life points, basically I would play it and it would tie the game. It would end the game with a tie where we both went down to zero life points. So I would purposely basically try to get to a 7,000 point life point difference to where I could just blow ourselves up and tie the game. Um, but yeah, so those were kind of like my main decks in Yu-Gi-Oh. I did play Pokemon for a decent amount. I did do a couple tournaments and it kind of sucks because the deck that I was mainly using is no longer in the rotation. So I wasn't able to do it, but it was a Team Plasma Lugia deck. So I would be, I would, I, I only had like six monsters in that deck. I think it was four, Lu no, 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 no. It was four Lugias, four Deoxys, and then I think two Thunderous, where basically the premise of the deck was you get the Deoxys on your bench because they increase the attack of Team Plasma Pokemon. You get Lugia as your active Pokemon, where then you use... I think it was Gale, Gale Wing, Plasma Gale, something like that. But it was 120 base attack. Having four Deoxys on it was able to beef it up to 160. You could put a muscle band, make it 180. And then there are a couple different ways. I, I could basically do like 220 to 240 damage, an, an attack. And that Lugia had a ability to it that anytime I knocked out a Pokemon, I could take an extra prize card. So basically you would attack four times and win the game. And it was a really good deck, but like I said, just the rotation kind of fell out of it. Now I don't think you can use Team Plasma Pokemon anymore in tournaments. So I just never built a new deck to play. Um, and that's kind of the problem with some card games is that like just some cards will end up getting banned and it kind of ruins your entire deck or your entire plan so i've never gotten into magic i know that's a big one but cards are just too expensive it's too hard to spend the money on getting a deck so i never played magic um and there's one other card game that i'm trying to learn to play but I just don't really have anyone to play with, and that is the Dragon Ball Super card game. Uh, the cards are beautiful, the artwork is amazing, and it's a good mechanic, it's a good style, but unfortunately it's just not that big right now to where you could go to a local card shop and just play with people. So that's definitely a game that I want to pick up and play, but I just need to find the people that will play it with me. So, But yeah, those are the card games that I play. I... Don't play them all too much anymore, mainly because I don't have the people to play with anymore. But 
uh, there's there's games online like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Legacy of the Duelist. I'll just play that online for fun. I have a bunch of different decks on there and stuff. So, Hey guys, it's Editing Logan here quick. Uh, at this point in the episode, my cat decided that it would be funny to jump up on the computer desk, knocking down my mic stand, stepping all over the keyboard, and then making his way over to the tower where he somehow stepped on the power button because he has never done that before. No, he only does it all the time. But luckily, I still had the episode saved and everything, so we don't have any loss of content in this episode. I just had to re-record the second part of this episode. Hopefully, it still sounds the same. I think the settings changed a little bit with the mic, but anyways, just wanted to let you guys know that my cat sometimes is just a big jerk to me. So let's get back into the episode. So anyways, let's move on into the last topic of today's episode. So instead of doing something small like a top 10 list or just a review, there's going to be times where I want to sit down and talk about a game, or in this case, a game that actually hasn't come out yet. So this is going to be a time for me to give my opinions, my thoughts, or just my theories in this case of certain games and stuff like that. So This would usually be the time of year where E3 would take place. Uh, This is when, you know, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, other companies are going to be announcing their newest games, their newest generations of games. But unfortunately for us gamers, the coronavirus has taken over and E3 got canceled this year. But anyways, Xbox already came out. They announced the Xbox Series X. We just talked about the PlayStation and how... The PlayStation 5 is going to be coming out. Well, hopefully soon Nintendo decides to come out themselves and talk about some of their stuff. Now, I'm not saying that they need to come out with the next generation console, which I think there's zero chance that they're going to because the Switch is still alive as ever. And I think it'll be a while before they come out with any other console. But about a year ago to the exact day, Nintendo dropped the bomb on us with a little glimpse of a sequel to, honestly, one of the best games of all time. And I think it's about damn time that they come back and give us some more news on this game. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you must be living under a rock. And if you have never played this game before, then I believe we can no longer be friends because this is a game that everyone needs to play. But anyways, a year ago today, we saw a trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, or at least that there was a sequel to Breath of the Wild. So for the rest of today's episode, I want to talk about what I believe Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be and talk about what I want from the game. I need to do this soon because if Nintendo all of a sudden comes out and announces the sequel to the game, I need to make sure that my voice was heard so that when my theories are correct, I at least have it documented and no one can tell me that I just made it up and said it from the beginning. So I know I made a blog post about this topic already. And for the most part, I'll probably end up talking about some of the same stuff. But like I said, I just want to get my voice out there so that everyone knows that it was me when I tell you some of the thoughts that I have for the game and when I'm correct about it. So if you haven't, I suggest reading the post. There's three of them and there's a lot of content in there. I probably won't talk about 
everything on today's episode that I talked about in the post. So if you want to, you know, refer back to that, definitely check out the website, check out my blog post. There's three different posts or there's three different parts to it where in each part I talk about something different. So in part one, I talked about when I think the game was going to come out, which I'm probably wrong now with everything that has happened in 2020. But I also talk about just a different or a bunch of different like mechanics and stuff like that that I would like to see in the second game. In part two, I talk about the setting of the game, where I think the game will take place. And in part three, I talk about what I think the story is going to be and what's going to happen in the game. So I'm going to be talking about a bunch of that stuff today right now. So like I said, refer back to the parts or to the post if you want. But anyways, let's get right into it. So I think there's still a chance that the game will come out in 2020. It would be holiday of 2020, obviously. But I think for the most part, we can kiss that dream goodbye. I wouldn't be surprised to see the game come out in March of 2021. And I know I've mentioned that in the post as well, but it wouldn't be the first time that we saw Nintendo come out with a game in March, like the first Breath of the Wild, which was released in March. So I think... Yeah, I don't think the virus put too much delay on it. I think we can still expect to see the game in early 2021. It probably, it hopefully won't be much longer before we just get another trailer or just another announcement or something like that. But we we know nothing about this game other than the short little trailer we got from E3 a year ago and that the game is going to be a sequel. And at this point, I do think it is going to be a sequel. Um, I had many thoughts and ideas that the game was actually going to be a prequel uh, that took place before the calamity in the game. But I still have a sneaky suspicion that that's the route that they could take. But for the most part, I think it's going to be a direct sequel that takes place directly after the first Breath of the Wild. So... Talking about the first part of my post, I just want to talk about some things that I am kind of hoping for to see in Breath of the Wild 2, which is what we're just going to call it for now. Um, Stay tuned. I do talk about what I think a future title of the game could be. But anyways, one thing I want to bring up is if it is a direct sequel, how is that going to work in comparison to other games where in other games you... You know, you only have three hearts. You are just starting your adventure. You don't have any items. But at the end of Breath of the Wild, you have the Master Sword. You have all of the stamina gauges, the all the hearts. You have, you know, some of the best armor in the game. So if it is a direct sequel, how are they going to play that out? And the way I'm kind of hoping for, or the way I see it, is that I hope they give us the Master Sword right away. I really hope that we can start the game with the Master Sword. And it can kind of do one of those generic, oh, in the beginning of the game, you're fighting a tough boss and then, oh, Link gets struck down and loses the Master Sword or just something like that. But I think it would be really cool instead of just starting your normal journey with three hearts, with, you know, very little items, with nothing, because you are a new Link in every game. It's a new generation of the hero that it would be really cool instead that this is the same Link, this is the same generation and the same timeline, that he's already the hero that he was meant to be. So I think that would be really cool. That's something I'm really hoping for in Breath of the Wild 2. But 
Second thing is a playable Zelda. I know a lot of people are talking about they want Zelda to be playable in Breath of the Wild 2. And at first, I was not about it. I was like, no, just let me play as Link. Let me be the, you know, hero that I'm meant to be. But the more and more I think about it, the more awesome I think it would be to play as Zelda. Because it's clear that in this version of the Zelda universe that Zelda is more powerful. She's kind of a bigger role than she could be in a bunch of the other games. Um, And I think that it's clear that this Zelda is much more powerful than any of the other Zeldas and that she is actually going to have a role in this game where she's going to be traveling alongside Link. And we do see that in the trailer where Link and Zelda are kind of traversing down the cavern or whatever we want to call it. So I do think that Zelda will be playable. Now, I don't think it'll be like Link where she's doing the combat and stuff like that, but I, the way I see it is that Link will take care of, you know, killing all the enemies and the monsters and stuff while Zelda is doing the puzzle solving of the dungeons where she's able to use her divine power to move things and to, you know, see through walls or just however it is. But I do hope that Zelda is going to be playable in Breath of the Wild 2. And I think that would just be a really different mechanic that we have never really seen before. So the third thing I want to have in breath of the wild 2 is classic dungeons i i love the idea of the shrines i do like the divine beast i think all of that was really fun it was really awesome but it's just not the same where you enter a temple or a dungeon and you have to solve all the puzzles in it and then you make your way to the boss room and you know slay the final boss of the dungeon so definitely like the water temple or the fire temple in ocarina of time are good examples where you find your way into the temple you solve the puzzles and everything you do what you need to do and then you go kill the boss and for the most part the divine beasts were they were kind of like that but they 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 weren't amazing they definitely could have done a little bit better but you know i'm okay with it i like the divine beast i did like the shrines and stuff like that but i think it would be really cool to see the return of classic dungeons because then that would also lead into the next thing that i want in the game which is classic weapons now i am a really big fan of the breakable weapons i know a lot of people don't like them a lot of people hate them but i'm truly a huge fan of breakable weapons it adds more strategy and thought into the game And it just, it raises the difficulty a little bit because yeah, if you get stuck into a situation where you have no weapons to fight with, then you're screwed. So it it definitely makes it a little harder, but along with the breakable weapons, you could add the classic weapons back into the game. So yeah, you could still have swords that break. You can have bows that break like that and stuff, but then give me a hookshot. You know, a hookshot doesn't need a break and I would be able to use the hookshot to get to location to location and stuff like that. Or just, uh, you know, a bunch of the other classic weapons that we have seen throughout game and game of the Zelda universe. So I really want to see classic weapons back in the game. I think that would be fun. And finally, the last thing that I really, really, really want in Breath of the Wild 2 is the open world. Um, I know in other games, yeah, it's an open world for the most part, 
where like Ocarina of Time, you can go between Marketplace and Kakariko Village and Lake Hylia. It's just a bunch of stuff like that. Same thing with like Majora's Mask and even Skyward Sword. You can kind of go place to place. But those games are still linear. You still have to clear the dungeons in the order that you need to clear them and whatnot. So by keeping the open world, I think it would be just really cool to make it that you can go anywhere you want and you can do things out of order if you want. I think that was one of the best things about the first Breath of the Wild is that breathtaking environment, how they just throw you into it and how you can kind of go wherever you want when you want. So if they keep that within Breath of the Wild too, I definitely think that is going to be a great and amazing thing. So moving on to part two of my post, I want to quickly talk about the setting of what I think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be. So this was probably the hardest thing for me to decide when coming up with theories for the game. Is it in Hyrule? Is it not? In my post, I go back and forth between if I think it is in Hyrule or if it's not. And I still don't know for sure. Um, I do have a really good idea to what I think it's going to be, but the trailer kind of throws me off. So in the trailer, at the very end, we see Hyrule Castle moving. It's clear that it's moving up, it's being raised, it's being lifted, whether it's by dark force magic or whatever it is, the castle is moving. So that gives me reason to believe that we are not going to be in Hyrule. And it, it's not the first time that we haven't been in Hyrule. You know, in Skyward Sword... You're in the land above the clouds, in Skyloft, in Majora's Mask, you're in the dying lands of Termina with the falling move. So we've seen Link not be in Hyrule before, so it wouldn't be that big of a shock if we weren't in Hyrule. But the only problem is, is I can't come up with a theory to where we would be if we're not in Hyrule. And the story of Breath of the Wild is Link saving Zelda and then they want to rebuild Hyrule. You know, in some of the cutscenes with the memories, Zelda says that she wants to rebuild Hyrule. They're going to make it a better place after the Calamity. So that's enough reason to believe that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be in Hyrule. But then you get to the problem where the first game was so memorable because of the land, of the setting, where we were thrown into this vast environment where we could explore as much as we want. So if they come out in the second game and give us the same map, that would be kind of lame because like we've we've searched every nook and cranny for every damn Korok seed. So we know the map. We players have memorized this map over and over again you know it's something that we've exhausted already so if if the game takes place in Hyrule how can the developers make it so that it's a new experience because if it's just the same old map people are going to get bored of it really quick so I actually do have a theory that I really hope it's done and I'd be so happy if this is how it was but this isn't it's happened before in the past games where we have been in Hyrule and yet there was a different dimension that was within Hyrule. So I think it can be done again and it can be a little confusing. So I'm going to try to explain it the best I can. But in the first game, don't you think it's a little weird how Link was able to see and hear the dead spirits of the champions of Hyrule? 
what's even more strange than that is how he was able to inherit some of their powers. You know, he was able to use Mifa's grace or Rivali's gale. He had a direct connection with the champions of Hyrule, even though they were dead. And Link isn't dead. He comes back to life. But that's the thing. Link basically was dead. He had to live in the Shrine of Resurrection for a hundred years. And I think because of that, because of Link's near-death experience, and because of, you know, he's the chosen hero, I think he has that connection between the world of the living and the world of the dead. And I think that's how he's able to connect with the champions who have already passed and how he's able to inherit their powers because he's basically been dead already and he has that connection. So how does that tie into the setting of the game? I think it's important because this won't be the first time that Link travels to a different dimension of Hyrule. And I think that's what's going to happen in the setting of Breath of the Wild 2. Because in A Link to the Past and in Twilight Princess, we see Link travel to a different version of Hyrule, whether it's the Dark World or the Twilight. While it's still Hyrule, it's a different version of Hyrule. It's a much darker version of the world set in those games. And I think in the sequel, Link just might need to travel to the realm of the dead where he needs to get help from the champions of Hyrule. And by doing this, it's going to give the players a whole new experience and allow the game to still take place in Hyrule, where you could travel back and forth between the map that we have already seen before, but then a darker side of Hyrule or a different dimension of Hyrule, or it, it doesn't even need to be Hyrule. It could be a completely different dimension where as long as Link has the connection to it and where Link can connect with the champions of Hyrule, he'll be able to travel back and forth between Hyrule and this other said dimension. I think that's a great way for the developers to keep Hyrule in the game, which... We kind of can expect, because like I said before, Zelda wants to rebuild Hyrule. This is something that they want to do, and it allows the players to get a whole new experience instead of just having to play the same map over again. So anyways, that's the setting. So let's talk quickly about the final part, the story of the game. Now, this is really the meat and the bones of what I think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be. So, spoiler alert, you know what, not even spoiler alert, you should have played the game by now. At the end of Breath of the Wild, the first game, we obviously take down Calamity Ganon, and we end up destroying what is Ganon or Ganondorf. And in the trailer to the second game, Link and Zelda are, you know, exploring the caves down beneath, and they come across a figure, kind of like in a dying position, long red hair and a lot of people would assume that this would be Ganon now or Ganondorf technically um and yeah it would make sense we've seen Ganondorf time and time again he has you know he was found in the flooded seas of Wind Waker he was in the traveling land of Hyrule he, he's kind of the main character of the Zelda universe so it would make sense that he is a part of this game you know we kind of just destroyed him the figure down in the caverns below looks like a dead dying version of Ganondorf but I truly don't think that it's Ganondorf I think it's something much more dark and vile than Ganondorf ever was and something that is much more powerful than Ganondorf ever wanted to be and 
if you've played Skyward Sword, you probably know where I'm going, but if you haven't, let me quickly talk about the first game of the Zelda timeline. In the first game of the Zelda timeline, Ganon, or, uh, Skyward Sword, you see one of the most badass type enemies or rivals in the game, and his name is Demise. And Demise is only in Skyward Sword. He has never been seen in any other game before. And in Skyward Sword, he is an absolute monster. He is a force stronger than we have ever seen. He is stronger than Ganondorf. He is stronger than Ganon's beast shield form. He is basically a god. And as you uh, strike down uh, Demise in Skyward Sword, in the final minutes of the game, Demise's body perishes, but his hate lives on as he warns Link that this is not over and incarnations of his hate will exist to dominate the world that he has once wanted. And we do see this. We believe that Ganon is the incarnated version of Demise, where over time, Demise's hate has moved from generation to generation into the different Ganons that we see, or the different Ganondorfs that we see. And that is kind of what gives Ganon the powers that he has in the games. That's where he gets all of his powers and abilities. But the thing is, Demise is supposed to be locked up in the Master Sword. Uh, how can he be out underneath the castle or wherever this cavern is supposed to be taking place? And that's just the thing. Demise has escaped. He isn't locked in the Master Sword anymore. And that's basically because the Master Sword was destroyed. So a hundred years ago, before the Calamity took over, Ganon was able to use his powers to take over the Guardians. And he sent out his four Phantom Blights to slaughter the Champions of Hyrule. And he was able to curse the Divine Beasts. And a hundred years before the Calamity, when link and zelda were fighting ganon when link basically almost died we see in the cutscenes that the master sword is chipped master sword is cracked and we have never seen this version or we've never seen a master sword under these conditions before this is the first time that we've actually seen like the master sword damaged and i believe at this point is when demise was able to escape from the sword because at this point, Zelda was able to hear the Master Sword's voice, uh, the voice that resonates inside of the Master Sword. She, the the voice is the one that told Zelda to take Ganon or to take Link. My bad, to take Link to the Shrine of Resurrection so that he can heal. So if Zelda is able to hear the voice inside the Master Sword, which we know is Fee or Fi, however you pronounce her, then why is Fee able to? kind of escape the Master Sword by talking to Zelda when Demise isn't able to. So if Demise was trapped in the Master Sword and the Master Sword essentially broke, why wouldn't Demise be able to escape it? And I think that's kind of what happens at this point, where Demise has finally escaped from the Master Sword. And because of Calamity Ganon's power that was just defeated by link and zelda at the end of breath of the wild demise was kind of able to take back his form from ganon and down in the caverns we see is demise a, a weakened version of demise because you know he just awoken or he has just you know took over ganon's body essentially 
And I think that is going to be the main villain of Breath of the Wild 2, where we don't see Ganon as the main boss anymore. We see Demise taking over Ganon's power, essentially. The power that was given to Ganon, he's going to basically take back. And if you haven't played Skyward Sword or haven't seen Skyward Sword or just anything like it, I would highly recommend looking up some information about Demise and about Ganon so you can just see what he looks like. You can kind of do your own comparison uh, compared to the trailers, and you can kind of get a look of what I'm looking at. But anyways, that's kind of what I think the story is going to be. Now, in the post that I made, I did talk about what I think the title is going to be, and I would like to share that with you guys before the actual title is announced hopefully soon but my title or the title that i would like for the second breath of the wild to be would be the legend of zelda ganon's demise because it truly is ganon's demise at this point calamity ganon was slaughtered link and zelda defeated him and if demise is re- uh, making a return He's taking over Ganon. Ganon's time is up and we won't be seeing Ganon anymore. We'll be seeing Demise. So as far as like more into the story, I could go into depth of what I think like bosses are going to be or what I think, you know, the actual story is going to be. But for the most part, I think I covered it. So in the setting, I think there's going to be a different dimension or a different part of Hyrule that Link is going to be able to to kind of travel back and forth between and getting help from the champions of Hyrule because he's going to need the champion's help in order to defeat Demise because Demise is so powerful he is much more powerful than ganon ever was so if demise is making a comeback then link and zelda definitely need more help and i think it would be pretty cool to have link go between worlds to get the champions help and because i mean the champions are awesome and i would hate for them to be gone within you know just one game so i really hope that the champions make a comeback uh, and I hope that they are able to help Link in his adventure to defeat Demise. But anyways, I think that's all I'm going to talk about about Breath of the Wild. This episode is already running a little longer than I would like it to. But I would, if you want to read more about this, I would highly recommend going to check out all three parts of my Breath of the Wild post where I go a little more into depth about Um, the story and then I go a little bit more into depth about the setting but if you have any more questions about the setting or if you uh, kind of want to give comments about it make sure to leave comments on those posts because I think there's a lot to there and like I said I really just wanted to get my voice out there so that when Nintendo finally comes out and releases the title or releases more trailers I could sit back and be like yep I knew it all along and that that is truly what I think the game is going to be with the setting and the story. That's kind of like my finalized opinion. I do have a bunch of other thoughts and theories about it. So if you do want to hear more of that, let me know and maybe I can make another quick episode about it. But for the most part, I think that's going to be it. So thank you for listening. Um, and like I said uh, many times already, thank you guys so much for the support. It means so much to me. And if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to contact me and stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you guys so much, and I hope you have a good one.